0: Hi, my name's Grant Fishbook, and I am honored to be the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham, Washington. Thank you so much for choosing to access this online content today. We really hope you'll enjoy this message. One of our values here at Christ the King is biblical face-to-face community. And so while we are so excited that you joined us today online, I really want to encourage you. Make sure that this is never a placement for face-to-face biblical community. Your story matters, you matter, and we want to see you get connected in a local church. Now, if you're here in our area, we would love to have you join us at any one of our five campuses. But if you find yourself outside of the Bellingham area, we really want you to get connected into a local church. So we hope and pray that that happens for you very, very soon. All the life we see. The beauty in the trees. The canopy. The branches. The leaves. The majesty of it all. It all started in the dirt. Invisible forgotten in dark places, buried. Well, good morning, sleep in service. Good to see you the week after Easter. I always get asked the same question every year, Grant, how was Easter? Here's what I can tell you. Thousands of people came and a lot of people came to Jesus. I think that's the best report that we could ever give. I think we proved once again, if you invite them, they will come, and so we overflowed the overflow twice on Sunday morning last weekend, and uh, what an honor and a privilege to welcome so many folks, not only to church, but to welcome them into the family of God too. I hope you're encouraged by that. This is the last week of our series called Buried, and next week we're starting an uh, an adventure. If you've never been here during the spring summertime at Christ the King, we like to take a book of the Bible and just dive into it. We've done Genesis, we've done Revelation, we've done Song of Solomon this year uh, because several requests that came. We're going to go through 12 chapters, 12 weeks in the book of Ecclesiastes. If you've ever asked the question, why am I here? What's the meaning of life? And is there seriously more to this than what appears to be? You're going to love Solomon and Ecclesiastes. So we're going to start that next week, as well as baptizing at every service. It's going to be fantastic. I hope you'll come and join me. My fence, my backyard fence, was a casualty of this past winter's windstorm. Anybody else lose fence? Yeah, you feel my pain. Okay, all right. So last weekend, it was actually being fixed. So on my way to the Good Friday services, I stopped by the Tractor Supply Company store, okay? I'm not often at the Tractor Supply Company store, but I found myself there, and I happened to be there dressed for Good Friday services. So I look like I'm going to a memorial, and I'm walking through the aisles of a tractor store in Linden. And as I'm wandering the aisles of the farming store, I make eye contact with a kid, okay? Okay? This kid is there buying little chicks with his grandfather, like actual like little peeper chicks. You know what I'm talking about, okay? And he's dressed like someone should be dressed if you're at the tractor supply store. He's dressed in coveralls and boots, and he's got a John Deere hat on. He is every bit the farmer, and he makes eye contact with me, and he scans me. <laughs> From the top of my head to the bottom of my feet... Now, all I'm going to say is that kid needs a sermon on judgment. I'm just saying, okay? Because he he's judging me, and suddenly I feel self-conscious. Like, I don't belong here. I shouldn't be here because his eyes are communicating a truth. You're not a farmer. <laughs> I'm a farmer. The fact that I'm not a farmer is both true and not true, according to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, Jesus is teaching about seeds and weeds and soil and stands and storms. And what I want to tell you is this. You don't need to have a farming background to get uh, uh, anything out of this message today. You don't need to have done 4-H or FFA. We're just going to walk with Jesus as he teaches us about the condition of our heart. Let's start talking about the soil. Jesus uses a story, a parable, to talk about the condition of your heart. So when you see soil, think heart. Okay? The Bible says this. The farmer sows the word. Stop right there for just a second. Apparently, we're all farmers in the room. Because last weekend, we just threw some seed around Whatcom County, and about 100 people gave their heart to Jesus. So the little guy at the tractor supply store can just take that. Okay, all right? (laughs) We're all farmers at some level, and then we gave away seed packets to encourage people to take the beauty of Jesus out across Whatcom County, plant some stuff, and always use it as a reminder that we are planted, not buried. Okay, so Scripture says, the farmer sows the Word, and then Jesus says this, some people are like seed along a path where the Word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes, takes away the Word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and desire for other things comes in and chokes the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, produce a crop, Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So let's just break it down. Okay, the good news of Jesus goes out like a farmer sowing seed. The seed is the message of Jesus. The soil is the human heart. And Jesus says that the seed lands in all different kinds of heart conditions, but it's all focused on what's happening deep inside of us. Here's my question to to you. What kind of heart do you have? Some of the message of Jesus lands on what I would call the closed heart, okay? Just picture a concrete road. Nothing grows on a concrete road because that surface resists the seed. It's just too hard. And it can be hard for a lot of different reasons. Uh, Unbelief, disappointment in God, plain old rebellion or or sin. Or a belief system that's just not open to what Jesus is saying in that moment. The heart is closed and because the heart is hard. First Corinthians 1.18 said, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Let me be honest with you. I have friends that think that I'm certifiable because I've put my faith in the hands of a virgin-born, homeless, itinerant Jewish rabbi that said he was the way, the truth, and the life. Okay? There are people that think I'm nuts because I have put my eternal destiny in the hands of a man that I've never met. Just so you know, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it because as I've said before, I'm going to say it again. I would rather be a fool in the eyes of a man than a fool in the eyes of God. Okay? So the seed is there and then Satan can come and actually he tries to steal it with his lies. And some of us have fallen for the lie. Some of us are still falling for it, right? The lie that you're good is good enough. The lie that God grades on a curb. Everybody's getting in in the end. The lie that you can wait. It's fine. Take your time. You've got, you've got plenty of time on the calendar. The, faith, the, the lie that faith doesn't make sense. Actually, faith can be very logical. The lie, God's only out to steal your fun. That's what he's here for. Or how about this lie? You know, living your life for yourself, that's just the best way to get it done. Not true. Not true second kind of soil is the confused heart. Just picture a rock pile, okay? In Israel, there's outcroppings of limestone all over the place. And if you actually walk up to them and touch them, there's this thin little layer of soil that that kind of falls into the depressions. And it looks like it would be an amazing place to plant something until you stick your finger into it and it's about an inch deep. Soil looks good, but it's thin, And Jesus says that that seed can hit the ground, it can even germinate, but because the roots have nowhere to go, the plant is just going to get cooked in the heat. In scripture here, the Bible actually says Jesus says that they hear this good news, the amazing message, and they're joyful about it, and then life kicks in. Life kicks in, and disappointments happen. And we like to look at Jesus as an insurance policy, and he starts offending us when he starts showing up, saying things like, you're going to have to die to yourself. You have to pick up a cross and follow me. And then some questions start to form, and life kicks in a little bit more, and the seed doesn't go very, very deep. And pretty soon, all of that pressure just starts pushing in on us, and the seed and the plant just kind of shrivels up and dies. You know, sometimes we look at Jesus that way, right? He's just an eternal insurance policy. Or worse yet, he's a spare tire, right? Just there in case of emergency. And we get a little offended when Jesus starts making demands of us, and the heart just gets a little bit more confused, gets a little bit twisted around, and before you know it, you've got a pretty confused heart. Third kind of soil, it's the cluttered heart. Just picture a weed patch, okay? Seed hits the ground, goes deep, it sprouts, and it actually starts growing, but suddenly there's competition. And the competition happens up here, and it happens down here, because suddenly we start telling ourselves, I'm really busy, like I'm busy. I'm chasing my dream. I don't have time for this God stuff. I'm climbing the corporate ladder. I want some of those nice shiny things that are out there that promise they're going to fill my heart. And, and I actually want those things more than I want Jesus. Once again, I'm really, really busy. I want to look after me. I choose comfort over conviction. I'd like Jesus. I just want a side dish of Jesus, not a main course. Thank you very much. Quick question to the followers of Jesus in the room, if I looked at your calendar and it was broken down every day into 30-minute increments, what would that reveal your God to be? I would say for most of us, work and television are right at the top of the list. Cluttered heart, here's the final soil, it's the cultivated heart. Just picture some good, fertile dirt, all right? My grandfathers were farmers. They looked after their land. And every year they would follow the same cycle. They would turn the soil in spring. They would cultivate it. They would fertilize to provide nutrients. They would harrow it nice and smooth. So they just looked, it just looked beautiful. They would plant it in spring, spray for weeds. They would water and nourish it so the seed could grow. And, and everything looked good. In fact, I learned some biblical things from my, my grandfathers as well. They would do something biblical. kind of made it strange for me. Every seven years, they would let a field do nothing. They would let it rest. It's called summer fallow. And my grandpa has taught me the same things. And Grant, if Grant, if you take something out of the soil over and over and over again, eventually it'll stop producing. You have to let it rest, which is the biblical principle of Sabbath. Every seven days, they did it every seven years. It was unbelievably hard work. Farming was hard work. But in the fall, in Manitoba, when harvest would kick in and the fields turned gold with wheat, and they would move in the wind so that it actually looked like waves. Then my grandfathers and my family would go out, and they would work, and the discipline would pay off because there was an incredible harvest. Four different kinds of soil. Which one do you got? Cluttered, concrete, cultivated. Now, before you judge yourself or allow Satan to judge you, in my lifetime, let me make an admission to you. I've had a closed heart. I've had a confused heart. I've had a cluttered heart, hopefully working on a cultivated heart. If no matter the condition of your heart today, here's what I need you to know. If you've got a concrete heart, Jesus has a jackhammer. Okay? If you've got a cluttered heart, Jesus has more answers and organizational ability far superior to Marie Kondo. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Okay? Okay? Jesus can bulldoze a heart, make it soft. He did it last weekend. He can do it today. He can deal with rocks in your life. He's got this thing about moving stones. Did it 2,000 years ago. He can still do it today. Jesus has weed killer, and he will go after those stubborn areas in your life. Jesus can turn it all into fertile ground. If you don't believe me, you should have been here last weekend. Amen. Amen. Wasn't that crazy, the 1130 service? We didn't even finish the altar call and people just started walking to the front. I'm like, what in the world is going on? I'll tell you what's going on. Jesus was busy. He talks about soil and then he turns his attention to a stand. It was really quick. All of a sudden he just kind of pivots on an idea, a theme. And he says this thing to them. Hopefully this will actually work this time. Had a hard time in the last service. It was embarrassing. Yay, Worked. Yay. Woo! He said to them, you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed. Instead, don't, don't you put it on a stand for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. Whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out in the open. It's pretty simple. God wants us to put the light of Jesus on display. A candle that's hidden, it doesn't do much good, okay? Light is actually meant to be seen. We know this to be true. Now, don't worry about how small the light seems or how insignificant it seems. The more darkness, the better the light becomes. I met Pastor Judd Wilhite in 2003. 2003, Judd took over Central Christian Church, Las Vegas, Nevada. I was just starting my role here as teaching pastor, Christ the King Community Church. I heard about Judd's situation. Judd heard about mine. We connected, and I actually flew to Las Vegas and took him out for lunch. We're hanging out together, just a little bit freaked out at the enormity of the task that was in front of both of us. And I remember sitting in Judd's office, overlooking the strip in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I asked him a question. I'm just like, Judd, why Vegas? Why Vegas? I loved his answer. He goes, in this much darkness, a little bit of light goes an awfully long way. Amen. <laughs> it's just a good attitude, right? Funny thing. I'm talking to a pastor from Georgia last week. Guess what he asked me? Grant, why the Pacific Northwest? (laughs) Why the nun zone? You know you live in the nun zone, don't you? Years ago, a a poll was done across the country of people asking the question, what faith group would you affiliate with? There was a box at the bottom that was labeled nun. Washington, Oregon, and Idaho... Had a significant enough response. They put more, checked more nun boxes than the rest of the country combined. This is hard soil. This is hard soil. But don't let that discourage you because in this much darkness, a little bit of light goes an awfully long way. Somebody say amen. amen. And that's what we're up to here, right? This area needs your light. We're baptizing next weekend. Take a stand, be bold. Get in the tank. Stop the excuses. When people walk out of our baptism, they go out now with, with a black t-shirt with white writing on it. It says, I have decided. We need more people in Whatcom County that are willing to make a public profession. I've decided. I believe in virgin-born, itinerant, homeless Jewish rabbis that say they're the way, the truth, and the life. You can call me an idiot. I don't care. It's the bold heart on display. There's actually baptism classes happening after every service this weekend. I hope you'll come and join us. So he talks about weeds and seeds, and then he talks about a stand. Sorry, weeds and soils, and he talks about a stand. And then he starts talking about the seed. Jesus says this in verse 30. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Let me show you a picture of a mustard seed to give you some perspective. All right? That's a finger, and right at the tip of it, that's a mustard seed. Look how tiny it is. It's minuscule. But just because it's small doesn't mean it's insignificant. Jesus said if you have faith like a mustard seed, like that small, you have enough faith to actually move a mountain. He says you've got enough faith, even with that small, tiny little amount, you've got enough faith to believe that Jesus can heal a broken body and and restore a broken heart. It takes just that much faith to believe that God is in this place. It's enough to believe that God can change a closed, confused, or a cluttered heart. It takes just that much faith to believe we've been planted, not buried. It's tiny, and yet look at what comes next. I love this. Laurel actually discovered this in in her quiet time. She called me last week. She was so excited about it. I hadn't seen this before. It just jumped off the page when she pointed it out to me. Look at verse 32, the next three three words. Yet when planted... When that teeny little thing is planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. With such big branches, the birds can perch in its shade. Can I show you what could actually grow out of a single mustard seed? Look at this picture. I don't call that a plant. I call that a tree. That's a mustard plant. A mustard plant can grow more than 30 feet high and more than 20 feet wide. Don't tell me God can't do big things with small beginnings. Don't tell me your first step towards Jesus last weekend was too insignificant. Don't tell me that one decision can't change your life. Don't tell me that the seed of your faith is just too tiny. When God's doing the planting, really big things can happen. It's the planted heart. It may appear to be dead for a long time because it's buried really, really, really deep. But we all know, just like happened 2,000 years ago in a garden in Israel, something started stirring under the surface. Everybody said Jesus was dead, but actually roots were spreading out, going deep. It was growing. It was coming to life Suddenly everything was changed and you might feel buried today. I just want to remind you, you're not buried, you're planted, okay? It's the pain of the old becoming the stand of today where your light can shine. It's the mess becoming the message. It's the pain taking on some purpose. What started out small is actually growing exponentially. Last weekend, between the last two services, I got to share Jesus with a high school kid. I love how God works. The God of the universe orchestrated a by chance meeting in our commons. We literally bumped into each other. He looked a little shocked. I looked a little shocked. He started sharing his story. He grew up in church. I did too. He had good parents. I did too. He started developing some really deep faith questions. I did too. He came to God and walked away, came to God and walked away, came to God and walked away. We all did too. He thought he found a better alternative for himself, something that fit just a little bit better with his soul. I did too. He found out that it left him empty. I did too. And we're sharing our stories together and something is happening inside of my heart. I don't know what was happening inside of his heart, but I know this. Once again, God took my story and put it on a stand and it started to shine. And I realized that what I thought back then was being buried was actually just being planted. And something started to grow. I learned something. The measure of my growth is how many people can seek solace or comfort or rest in the shade of my old pain. I don't care how messed up your story was. If it starts as a mustard seed and is actually willing to go into the ground, God can grow it into something incredible. Your story matters. No matter that condition of your heart back then, it's a story waiting to be told if you'll simply allow God to cultivate you and embolden you and even transplant you if necessary. So I find this so interesting. Jesus is teaching. Soil and weeds, seeds and stands, and then all of a sudden, Mark chapter 4 pivots, and it moves from a teaching to a narrative of what happens next. All this good stuff, and what happens? Storm pops up. All these good things are growing, and then a storm happens. Some of you gave your heart to Jesus last week and truth be told on Monday morning, all hell broke loose in your life. Just to encourage you, I want you to know something. The devil doesn't attack people that are not a threat to him. If he came after you, it's because you actually have him worried and concerned. Because you've got a story that could change the life of a newer human being. I also want to share with you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So take it as a backhanded compliment that Satan has a target on you. You'll learn, put on your spiritual armor. The storm will pass. And to coin a phrase from last week, it's going to be okay. Amen. It's going to be okay. The Bible says this, a furious squall came up. Let's stop for just a moment. One of my favorite stops on our Israel trips is the morning we get up really, really early. We have breakfast and then we get on a boat and we go right out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And we get out right into the center of the sea and it's quiet and the captain cuts the engines and it gets really, really quiet. And we sit there with a Bible open on our lap. We do our quiet time together on a boat on the Sea of Galilee and then we play the song Oceans and everybody cries. It's really, really cool. (laughs) By the way, May 2020, if you'd like to come, the information meetings are next week after the sleep-in service upstairs. Trips fill up fast, so you may want to get there quick. A furious squall came up. One of the first times we were out on the Sea of Galilee, I noticed that our captain never left the wheel, even though we were all being quiet and enjoying a beautiful time of worship and just kind of soaking in the fact that we're on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus walked on water (laughs) we're out there I noticed that he never took his hand off the wheel so finally I just asked him I said captain you all right he goes yep just paying attention what are you paying attention to he goes you see that valley back over there he goes that's called the valley of the dogs he goes if I feel a breath of air on my ear from the valley of the dogs I got about 12 minutes to get us back into shore we're going to be in really big trouble Sea of Galilee is one of the most dangerous pieces of water in the world because it's the only place on the planet where four weather patterns can converge simultaneously. Now, some of you are like, why would you take your people out to the middle of a lake if it's that dangerous? (laughs) With faith the size of a mustard seed. (laughs) You saying? You should come with me. It'll be fun. All right? (laughs) A furious squall came up and waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Anybody been there before? My world's falling apart and it feels like Jesus is asleep at the tiller, right? Pressure's mounting and I feel buried and running out of options. I mean, I'm taking on water really, really fast. Jesus, don't you care? By the way, that's a really good question to ask. I think it's a human question. My challenge to you is, can you ask the question, Jesus, don't you care without hardening your heart, without confusing silence for absence, without filling your boat full of busyness and all different kinds of ideas that that, that actually make you swamp yourself? I mean, you always have to remember what happens next. Verse 39, the Bible says this, Jesus got up rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Just as a footnote, I got in real trouble last night because my brain was really tired after a long week of Easter stuff, and I read the verse wrong. I read it, Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the wives, quiet, be still. (laughs) I will be getting, hey, yeah. whoa. <laughs> Back to the Bible. All right, so. <laughs> you try talking for a living sometime. It's an occupational hazard, all right? Rebuke the wind and the waves. Said, quiet, be stilled. And the wind died down and was completely calm. Literal translation of quiet, be still. Jesus is speaking to a storm. Literal translation, muzzle yourself. My translation, hey little dog, zip it. You're scaring my kids. Knock it off. Simmer down. I heard you because I was listening. The wind and waves still know his name. That's what allows the crazy people of Jesus to say, it is well with my soul even when the storm is raging. It's the peaceful heart. It's the cultivated, soft, bold, planted, peaceful heart that only comes from knowing that the presence of the storm is not nearly as important as knowing that Jesus is in the boat. So here's a simple question. What kind of heart you got? Hard, cluttered, and confused, or cultivated, bold, and growing? Panicked or peaceful? You get to choose. And I pray that you'll choose this as we close the series. When I'm planted, not buried, my heart is soft, bold, growing, and peaceful. I kind of like it when people come up to me and sometimes will say... There's all this stuff going on in the world these days, but you just seem extraordinarily calm. I've said that to some of you that are sitting in this room before. All the stuff that's going on in your life, and you're calm. How's that work? It's just like, Jesus in the boat. (laughs) Planted, not buried. It's gonna be okay. Okay. followers of Jesus. I don't know if you've uh, read the end of the book, but it turns out really well. We should hold on to that, especially as we turn towards Ecclesiastes, because what we're going to find out is the world thinks that everything's futile. We just believe it's forgiven. Would you stand with me as we close today? God, thank you so much for this beautiful day, this beautiful morning. God, thank you for the fact that every day is resurrection day for those who know Christ. And God, today as we contemplate the condition of our heart, Lord, I pray that we would know that Cultivated is available for each and every one. God, for those that are stuck in storms, I pray that they would remember the words of Jesus today. Be quiet, be still. God, I thank you that wind and waves still know your name. So God, when you give us boldness, help our light to be displayed publicly so that all can see. God, I pray for those in the service who are contemplating right now whether they should get baptized next weekend. God, I pray that just like you said yes to meeting with us, that they would say yes to being obedient to you. We give you glory and praise today because you are truly the God of the soil, the weed, the seed the stand, and the storm. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have an awesome weekend. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.